Hello, hopefuls, and welcome to the Worst Movies We Own podcast. This is Natalie, my beautiful wife, and I am Bobby. My, oh, my handsome husband, sorry. A handsome husband. <laughs> handsome. That's lovely. I don't need to wear a mask constantly. No. Tatty old mask. No. Tatty old masks are appropriate this week because we are covering Rob Zombie's Halloween. Oh, I did your bit, didn't I? I don't care. Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 from 2009. Ah. Oh. <laughs> fucking fruity. Natalie, tell the people at home what Rob Zombie's Worst Movie We Own podcast is all about. <laughs> uh, Bobby and I are married. Uh, we watch a lot of films together. And we have decided to watch the worst DVDs we own according to the average ratings each film has received on the website Letterboxd. We're hoping that some of these really low-rated films will actually surprise us and not be so terrible. So we're watching each one with an open mind, even the ones we've seen before, hoping for the best. Um, we've not bought any of the films specifically for this project. It's a mixture of charity shop finds, random stuff included in box sets, and films we've bought, like Halloween 2, that other people just don't like. But some of us do. Some of us do. Some of us like Rob Zombie very much. Yeah, on the Venn diagram of what Natalie's into, mm. Rob Zombie horror movies mm -hmm. and Halloween movies, mm. there's a big old overlap, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I was re I was excited uh, when this first came out. I remember going to see it. Um, the original um, mm. Rob Zombie's Halloween. I was away when he made the second one. Mm. Um, oh, you're travelling? I was travelling, yeah. yeah. So it, it was quite some years later that I saw this. But the original one, I was so excited about going to see it. The I don't, don't, don't use the word original. Oh, because it's okay, yeah. The 2007 You're going to confuse Halloween. our hopefuls. Rob Zombie's Halloween. Rob Zombie's Halloween. I was very excited about going to see and yeah. So there we go, right in the Jap's eye of Natalie's taste. Mm. I think we can be a little bit bad taste. It's a Rob Zombie themed episode mm -hmm. of the podcast. Yeah. He's not a man who uh, holds back when it comes to uh, extreme transgressive imagery talk or attitudes. No, no, it's very in your face. Very, I mean, you must, I, I really like him, but I think he's probably a, a Marmite kind of director. Very much like. Do you know what? I, I class him in very much the same category as Quentin Tarantino mm -hmm. and Kevin Smith in that he has got a core audience who really like what he does. Mm -hmm. uh, for your casual viewer, they might find it a bit too weird or extreme yeah. or not get all the references or don't understand why these things are quite so popular. Yeah. But when you're into this kind of vibe and you start going... I know that guy, and I don't just know that guy from a famous film, I know that guy from other Rob Zombie films, mm -hmm. or I know how the girls are going to act. Yeah. They're going to be bad girls. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, then you kind of get what the Rob Zombie vibe is, and you start to appreciate all of his work more, as he's got a very clear vision of what he feels a horror film should be, and an almost um, encyclopedic knowledge of other horror classics and forgotten horror films and just what a, what a really icky, scary, ugh, kind of film should feel like. Yeah. And he's very funny. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's something that's really important that a lot of horror, horror directors and, and films, uh, where they fail, is to skip the humour. And for me, and not in every case, you know, there are horror films that I love that really don't have any humour in at all. Um, but 
generally speaking, especially one that's really gory and nasty, mm. to offset that, you do want it to, to have humour. Like Wes Craven's really good at that. Toe Pooper, yeah. Rob Zombie. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is not just one of the most uh, extreme films of its time. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an incredibly funny black comedy yeah. when you watch it. Obviously, people who just see extreme gore and violence as sick mm-hmm. don't see that. But if you approach it with an open heart, it's a very, very funny satirical film. Yeah. And even, even Hitchcock's Psycho, which is one of your first shockers mm. that has actual violence in it mm-hmm. it is a very wryly amusing film it's you know there's there's lots of winks and oh aren't we naughty yeah um and loaded dialogue in it yeah um and you know rob zombie is the the evolution of that 50 years later mm-hmm. um a real heavy metal attitude and over the years i've gone from thinking what the fuck did i just watch to I really like this. I'm really into this. Uh, if anything, he's the most interesting voice in horror, I believe, at the moment. Yeah. Uh, probably one of the most undersung as well. Yeah, yeah, his his films, I mean, 31 even get a cinema release. I'm not entirely sure anymore. We, we seem to have to wait till they're on demand or appear on a streaming service Which now. is very frustrating. Yeah. Um, I just don't understand why there's not more of a demand. Or what, maybe it's just the film distributors don't realise there is that demand. I mean, whatever. He, he does do things that make him an easy target for criticism. Mm. Not just um, just how violent um, the films are and how you could see them as being misogynistic. I don't believe they are personally, but obviously there's a lot of women being attacked in the nude. Yeah, and they, but that ta- that's because he, he taps into a tradition of horror. Mm. It's not because... I mean, it's not particularly exploitative. There is a lot of nudity. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. I, I, I can see where people might think it's misogynistic, but he has strong female characters. He I mean, def- they can really hold their own. He definitely does. And Halloween 2, I think, is the only time he's really explored the final girl trope. Yeah. In, in his style. And we'll discuss that maybe in the meat of the podcast. But his films do shift tonally. Like, you know, they can go from... Uh, quite parodic silliness to horrific uh, emotional torture. Mm. Like, his victims can go from figures of ridicule, but you're laughing along, to suddenly you're really, really feeling their pain and suffering in a way that mainstream Hollywood directors, or even your more artifartier ones, like Robert Eggers or Ari Aster, aren't ever interested in, Mm. in exploring. Um, and you know the third reason why he does come in for a fair bit of flack is he does cast his missus in <laughs> lead roles, and even though she's a very pretty lady, yeah, uh, and she goes at these performances with full on spunk, mm-hmm. she's maybe not the best actress in the world. She's not, but I like her. And PJ Souls isn't the best actress in the world, but who doesn't love seeing her crop up in a horror film or any film? Yeah. I once again, I think. I'm almost definite the Rob Zombie reevaluation in culture will happen, mm-hmm. and then eventually there'll be a, a quite a big fan fan base for Sherry Moon Zombie. Yeah, but you know, like I think we both had a little chuckle when we saw the credits of this <laughs> at, at the end of how the casting was, and yeah. she was third build when really it's you know an extended cameo. She's in yeah. like, a, a silent walk on part. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and but you know. So, 
if this is going to annoy you, if you're a horror fan and you don't like Rob Zombie or you've never even experienced Rob Zombie before, know that you're what, you listen to a podcast, two people who are converts, zealots. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to talk about Halloween 2, which is his, as far as I know, uh, least well-received film of a series of films that generally aren't well-received anyway. Yeah, and, and I'm personally, I'm not going to be gushing about this film. Yeah, it's not my favourite. Yeah. Uh, I would agree with that as well. Um why didn't you tell the people at home what the plot of Halloween 2 is if they couldn't imagine such a thing? <laughs> um, well, it picks up where the action of Rob Zombie's Halloween and John Carpenter's original Halloween left off. So we follow Laurie Strode, who narrowly escaped Michael Myers earlier the same night, to the hospital. We follow Michael being taken away in a coroner's van, assumed dead, but then making his escape. And then there's a stalk and slash sequence in the hospital, which suggests we're getting a fatal remake of... John Carpenter's Halloween 2, which all happens later the same night in the hospital. It expands the myth of Michael Myers and Jamie Lee Curtis comes back and, and he goes to the hospital and tries to get her. But that's revealed to be a dream in this version and we're catapulted forward a year. It's a couple of days before Halloween. Uh, Laurie is traumatised. She's seen a shrink. She's still terrified of Michael. She lives with a friend, Annie, who was in the very original John Carpenter Halloween uh, but gets bumped off in that one. This yeah. one she survives for the second film. And she lives with Annie's dad, who's a local sheriff. Um, and she's kind of, you know, she's got a job. She's trying to make a life for herself. But Michael, we see him. He's on his way back from somewhere, gradually getting back to Haddonfield in time for Halloween to keep going with his with his slashing and his mayhem. Yeah. It's almost surprising how many cast members from the first one two years ago in 2007 come back for this one as key characters. Yeah. And I think it kind of shows just what a, a loyal cast a Rob Zombie is. If you work for Rob Zombie once, chances are you're working for him again and yeah. again and again. I really like that. Yeah, I like that. any director. Yeah. I mean, it, first of all, it shows that they are a decent person to work for because why would you go back otherwise? Yeah. Um, and it becomes... It just takes on a life of its own when you've got that kind of like... I know mm. some people especially quite recently, really criticised nepotism and that kind of, like, not actually related nepotism where they still use the same actors. But for me, directors have been doing that since, oh. since films began. And I, I just think it's, mm. why wouldn't you cast people that you know are going to be good in your mm. film and it get must on with be, you and see your vision? It must be fantastic through. to sit down and write a script and go, right, where are we going to put uh, Sid Haig or Richard Brake yeah. or my wife? into this one how are we going to fit them in um so much fun and there's still so much room and i think one thing rob zombie does really well um is i think he sees people who he enjoyed when he was younger mm-hmm. uh, in this film you say people like margot kidder and the like yeah um who or he's joined in tv shows like um dayton Kelly, mm. and he finds even one or two scene roles for them instead of casting an unknown and it makes the film feel a part of what we're into more. Like, yeah. kind of what's our taste? He seems to have similar tastes as us. Yeah. And uh, I like that. I really do. Uh, is, before we really start discussing things in detail, is there anything you want to get off your chest? Yeah, I think we probably need to talk about horror remakes in general. Okay. Yeah. Um, because there have been a lot of them. I think there are a few films... A uh, few horror films from before the 80s that haven't <laughs> been remade yeah. of the famous ones. Um, and a lot of them are, are mediocre 
to terrible. Mm. I, I think there's a real lack of imagination when it comes to horror as a genre, um, which doesn't make sense considering horror's such a broad genre mm-hmm. and has so much scope. Um, you, you'd think people would want to be doing their own thing. Instead, we get remakes, we get sequels, we get prequels, we get spin-offs. Halloween and Halloween 2, Rob Zombie's versions, for me, fall towards the better end of the spectrum. Yeah. Not the absolute best, but better than middling. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, Rob Zombie would be better playing to his strengths and remaking, if he's going to remake something, remaking something more in the Toe Pooper-ish um, milieu. Yeah, no, I um, Because to me, that's his kind of film. Whereas this... Um, kind of straight horror, like a a, a, a slasher. He's, he's not very interested in tension. There's mm. you know one one thing that works really well with John Carpenter's Halloween and some of the sequels that follow on. Yeah, is um, the Mister X and waiting and the escape of the characters from Michael Myers. Yeah, and this really once Michael Myers got you by the back of your head, you're dead. Yeah, and yeah, you know, it happens very quickly. Um, in terms of remakes, mm. um, I think there's only really five good ones. Okay. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Rob Zombie's Halloween, 2007's mm-hmm. a good one. Yeah. Uh, the relatively recent Evil Dead remake they did was loads of fun. Oh, yeah, that was good, yeah. Um, John Carpenter's The Thing, which is based on a 1950s film. Yeah. But with... that's, for me, that's something in itself, though. The remakes of the 1950s horror films. Mm. The Fly. The Fly was the next one I was going yeah. to bring up, yeah. And then Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the 1978 one mm-hmm. with Donald Sutherland. Oh, yeah, that's, that's really And Brooke good. Adams, yeah, that's a really good one. I would add a couple to that. Um, for me, I really like the remake of Suspiria. Yeah. I and I really like the original as well. I wasn't quite such a fan. No, I know you, you didn't really like that so much. Very beautiful film. Yes, the it remake. is. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, and... The Town That Dreaded Sundown. Which, oh, yeah, that was really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm surprised you didn't... But we saw that. the remake first. We saw the first. remake first, yeah. which maybe that makes a difference. Mm. But I think with The Town That Dreaded Sundown, it does something a bit different. It kind of acknowledges that there was a film called The Town That Dreaded yeah. Sundown, and it does it in a slightly different way. But that that's really good. Um, if you, if you haven't seen, seen that, because, yeah, it's not a, quite such a well-known one, either version of The Town That Dreaded Sundown is well worth hunting down. And when you watch one, you'll want to watch the other. Yeah. Um, um, and then there are there have been ones that I don't mind that afterwards I've thought, well, why did they bother remaking it? But yeah. it's not like it was a, a a difficult experience for me to watch it. I'm thinking um, like Pet Cemetery. I know you didn't like it. Don't like either version. Maniac. Oh yeah, that was fine. I mean, yeah. like, I wouldn't put it in. I wouldn't put it in my recommended tier. But yeah, the remake had its merits. Yeah. Um, yeah, the original Maniac for all its weirdness, and, you know, it's quite a cult item, isn't a perfect film in the first place. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Um, the the sort of spin-off-y type ones like Leatherface? Yeah, like that, that. that was quite a good one, yeah. yeah. But again, it took him about nine tries to do anything without Toe Pooper and the Texas Change Mask. I think the big problem with remakes at the moment is for the last 15 years, they've been dominated by Michael Bay's company Platinum Dunes. Really? Who do these very glossy, uh, almost um, textureless remakes of things like Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday mm. the 13th, Black Christmas. Uh, and although there is a Mary Elizabeth Winstead Black Christmas that we should watch at some point. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, but my point is, they, what they seem to do is they take an old classic and do nothing but remake it with a lot of polish 
and a lot less personality. Yeah. And they're average film experiences. You go to cinema and you go, it was fine. Was but we're talking about a classic. Is the but jumping well, off. Well, that's point. it. And I guess they bring in a, a director and a crew who are just guns for hire rather mm. than someone who's got a real love of horror. At yeah. least with Rob Zombie coming in and doing, or the real the good new sort of horror directors who um, acknowledge old horror yeah. in their films. I mean, they're making new stuff. I can't remember different. his name, but the guy who did it follows seems like. He grew up on exactly the horror films that we loved. Yeah, yeah, uh, it was oh, really good. I don't think I would say the same of Ariasta or Robert Eggers, even though they held up as the more exciting. Oh, Ariasta's Hereditary. Yeah, oh, yeah uh, but Midsummer was really good. Oh, Midsummer was great. Yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, yeah um, something to Google for you and the people at home. I saw today a really nice uh, Wizard of Oz poster that was a ripoff of the Midsummer poster, and it's excellent. Oh, right. oh, no, it works really well. Oh, uh, so uh, yeah. Um, so remakes can go either way, but I'd be honest to say I think it needs someone with um, a directorial vision to make yeah. these things work. More often than not, the people who've done really good remakes have made uh, exciting films on either side of their careers. Yeah. Um, so do you want to do numbers and we'll get into the meat of mm-hmm. Halloween 2? Yeah. Um, right, so Halloween 2, direct, released in 2009. Directed and written and produced by Rob Zombie, uh, starring Tyler Maine, Malcolm McDowell, Scout Taylor Compton, Daniel Harris, Sherry Moon Zombie, and Brad DeReef. Uh, and loads, loads mm. of familiar faces from uh, HBO and Showtime yeah. TV shows, 70s and 80s horror and blockbuster classics. Mm-hmm. You know, it's every other scene there's someone you really like. Yeah. Um, release date August 28th 2009 it cost 15 million which is the same as Rob Zombie's Halloween okay. uh, but uh, they moved the um, film location away from uh, the original site of John Carpenter's Haddonfield to a place in Georgia so there's tax breaks uh, so I'd assume the budget's actually bigger with I don't know how the tax breaks work but they moved somewhere so they got more bang for their buck yeah um, wasn't quite as successful as Rob Zombie's Halloween in 2007. That made 80 million around the world. Okay. This only made 34 million. Um, there just wasn't much of a market for it after its opening weekend. Mm. And internationally, it did particularly badly. Um, I also question why they release these things in August? Halloween should be released maybe a week before Halloween. Well, yeah, but they never do anymore, do they? Now it's usually September. We it's good always... for me because it's like my birthday weekend. Yeah. There's always a but I think pretty much whenever we've gone to see a horror film on Halloween we've gone to see an old classic now because there's nothing yeah. not even an average one that yeah. you're kind of not bothered about out anymore I, d- I do find that very odd it, I think in America it's slightly different but over here yeah it's really weird yeah um, or Christmas that's another good time for releasing a horror film yeah because it's otherwise it's just all candy corn isn't it yeah um Internet Movie Database score of 4.9, which oh. is, is not good. No, no, that's... Yeah, I think, yeah, that. anything below 6 is bad. Mm. Uh, and Letterboxd, the woke kids, only mm. give it 2.3. But bizarrely, doing my research, most of the reviews that have got lots of likes on it are mm. very positive. So I think maybe uh, the Rob Zombie fan base have enjoyed it yeah. and been outspoken, but all your kind of... Uh, original franchise Halloween zealots and mm. casual viewers found it very not their cup of tea. Some bold choices have been made, yeah. which I can see 
like I said. We're going to discuss them. I shouldn't have said Marmite, uh, Marmite though, Why earlier, not? when I said Marmite director, because I'm ambivalent about Marmite, and, and I really hate that that. You love it, phrase. I hate it. It's not binary, I don't, is it? No, it's not. It doesn't work yeah. like that. Yeah. So I like I'd, Twiglets. I'd, I'd rather not have Marmite, but it's not for me like cucumber or pineapple. Yeah, if someone made me a cheese sandwich and like, oh, I'll put some Marmite on there, yeah. I'd eat it. So, yeah. Sorry. That's just the design. Maybe it's more for people who don't have a lot of personality. That That's one way they can define themselves. So, I'm a Marmite lover or a hater. Yeah. Whereas for the rest of us, there's far more exciting things to uh, throw your weight behind. Yeah. But it could for you, it could be like... Cuc- for, for us, it could be cucumber because I love cucumber and you hate cucumber. Mm, yeah, that's right. So, <laughs> you know, there we go. Mm. <laughs> uh, let's have a break and we are going to discuss the absolute shit out of... Uh, Halloween 2. Oh, God. Halloween 2. Mm. Uh, I'm going to leave this to you because, oh. you know, I, I've I've talked about our shared love of Rob Zombie, mm. but Halloween's not really my franchise. I It's always been something I've respected more than loved. If you ask me what my favourite Halloween film was, it's Halloween 3 Season of the Witch, which Michael Myers doesn't even appear That's in. That's fair enough. Um... I always enjoy any any of the ones that Jamie Lee Curtis is involved in, mm-hmm. um, and the original Halloween, which I know most people consider to be a five star classic, mm-hmm. has grown on me as I've got older. Especially when I went to see it at the cinema yeah. and appreciated just what Carpenter was doing in terms of um, the thirty five millimeter cinema scope mm-hmm. kind of filming. Yeah. It worked really well on the big screen in a way that small screen never did. But I I never look forward to a new Halloween film I've missed probably a couple in the middle of the franchise mm-hmm. or, or if I've watched them I don't remember them in the midst of time yeah uh, it's not one of my go-tos um slasher wise I'm more of a scream guy right uh, and Halloween always just seemed a bit cheap and old hat as I was growing up because it was by its fifth or sixth film at that point yeah. some of which were starring Daniel Harris well, yes, yeah. Actually, Halloween 4, which isn't that bad. I know that people... Mm, no, yeah. your opinion on that. She, in particular, is great in Halloween 4. She, 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 she was a great child actress. Yeah. And um, she's kind of seemed to be, uh, after she got older, seems to be kind of relegated to 10th uh, build tits in horror films, which is a real shame. Yeah. I don't think she's great in this. She's but, like, she's, she really isn't given much to do in yeah. this. So, um, but you do occasionally see that glimmer of the little girl in the last boy scout is absolutely foul mouthed and funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah. And yeah. Um, so let's do our regular questions. Uh-huh. Knowing that I care more about this as a Rob Zombie film than I do a Halloween film. Yeah. What did you like? Okay, well, um I'm not really gonna address the the John Carpenter aspect just yet. Or the the similarities or differences or whatever. Um the, other than to say the John Carpenter original Halloween is my favourite horror film I love it oh is it Candyman it's one of my f- two favourite horror films mm. and it scares me even now when I watch it um, because th- that oh that fine you're looking at me like well, I'm just thinking don't look now just... oh. yeah well I'm not scared of little tiny dwarves in red coats alright then I'll put one in your bed tonight actually that's not true <laughs> don't look now it gives me nightmares um <laughs> But the end of the the John Carpenter one, where you see Michael Myers fall onto the garden and mm. and you see him lying there, and then it goes back to the main characters who are still alive, 
um, and and uh, you've got Jamie Lee Curtis saying was that the boogeyman like a little girl and yeah. Dr. Loomis saying yes I believe he was um, and then it goes back to the grass and he's not there and then you get this sequence of shots of my, the hairs on my arms are standing on end right now even just thinking about it okay. you get these shots of, of the house um, and all these places where he's been and he's not there but you're looking for him you see him like where is he is he around the corner is he going to jump out on me and he doesn't you don't see him again um, but you can hear the, the breathing and it's it's absolutely terrifying Michael Myers is terrifying in John Carpenter's Halloween mm. in, well, I mean... in the sequels <laughs> and in these films not so much but that first film, oh my God, so scary. Well, I think if we uh, know anything now from the last year, your breath gets very hot and heavy underneath one of those masks. <laughs> if oh, that's he, true, yeah. I, I wonder how, because there's a Halloween film kind of in the can, the next sequel to the Jamie Lee Curtis comeback. Yeah. Uh, are they going to remake, reshoot some of these films when they're in shops? Are they going to have to wear masks? Are they going to, you know... When they when they on public transport, are they going to have to have scenes with masks on? You know, no, no. <laughs> um, so anyway, is Michael Myers just going to blend in as someone who's just very you know he's health got conscious? A mouth and nostril holes. Yeah, so it's the opposite. Of... I've just been amusing, darling. No. Just be, just just being a wit, a dandy wit. Didn't get that from it, but anyway, oh, right. I'm sorry. Okay, <laughs> so um, I'm glad that. Rob Zombie decided in, Hall- in his Halloween 2 to not just make a remake of, of the second one because for me, the John Carpenter sequel, it's not great. It's very much just like um Well, it's not even John Carpenter. Of... I think he, he wrote the scenario yeah. and said, you guys crack on, I just have some mm-hmm. little, little bit of money. So it's a series of, of killings, basically, that mm-hmm. all take place or mostly take place in this hospital. Uh, Jamie Lee's barely in it. Um, the ending's really not great it, it, it's just that there are a couple of good bits in it but it's it's not fab so you kind of get roped doped at the beginning of this one just thinking oh they're going to do the same thing because they go to the hospital then it moves away from that which was a really good decision um i also really like some of the like the set pieces the killings that mm-hmm. happen throughout this one are really good like the, the first one um and most of the time horror films have that kind of first kill yeah that is it's one of the best ones in the film and it, it sort of sets things off on a high okay. and you're kind of like ready to watch the rest of What do you of consider it. the first kill to be? For me, it would be the coroner. The two coroners. Two coroners. Dayton Kelly and Richard Brake. Yeah. Two brilliant character actors. Yeah. They um, get a lovely little scene together. Yeah, they do. A and bit they, rude. They, they tell like a nasty, horrible joke. couple of necrophiliac yeah. jokes yeah. And, then, and then they have a, a really gory death. Yeah. Um, but it's very well done. Mean, meanwhile, uh, Laurie, Laurie Strode... Mm-hmm. Is is having surgery performed and her nails being pulled out? Yeah, I could have so done without that. It's it's there's some extreme gore in this Halloween mm-hmm. uh, that will definitely turn your stomach. There was one scene later on, but I I, I generally just had to take a little breath afterwards. It was uh, quite so extreme. Is it stamping in the face one? No, it wasn't. It was near to that. Uh, it was the uh, stripper being killed. Oh right, okay. Uh, if anything, that whole sequence was so full on with nudity and extreme gore and excessiveness, it felt like something that you almost shot knowing they can cut this out and put it in the unrated DVD later uh, on. Okay. I actually really liked that um, that one. That would That's in my little list of particularly good sequences. So there's the, the one with the coroners, um, and it's where Michael Myers, you see, he's not dead after all, and he comes back, and, and yeah, it's really good. 
Um, there's the red rabbit sequence in the in the strip joint. Yeah. Um, where there's the yeah a couple of really nasty deaths. Um, but well done, well set up, creepy, tense, nasty, mm. scary, whatever you want. Um, there's a there's a real kind of like traditional horror film killing where there's a the Halloween party um, towards the end of the film and a young couple go off to um, mess about in the back of a van yeah. and it's just got all the makings of any kind of horror film. You know exactly how that's going to play out. Yeah. It doesn't not deliver. No, it does, yeah. it does a really nice job of it. Um, and Annie's... Um, so Annie, played by Danielle Harris, like we've mentioned, she's not really in it that much. Um, she's kind of... You get the sense she's just dealing with her own trauma, but yeah. no one cares. <laughs> because once it's got, um, you know, the last night of Halloween and then the dream sequence out mm. of the way, a lot of the time it focuses on Laurie and Annie. Yeah. They're scarred, mm-hmm. they're injured, they you know, they're... It's never explicitly said, but it strikes me that Annie seems to be a shut-in yeah. from what's happened to her. She, her face is all scarred and she doesn't leave the house. And she just lives with her loving dad, yeah. uh, the wonderful Brad Dorif, mm-hmm. and uh, Laurie. Whereas Laurie is out there a little bit more, made new friends, got a job, yeah, but is more openly suffering from PTSD from yeah from what's happened to her. Um, Annie's Annie is for me a much more likable character. She's she's a more likable actress, and she's it's interesting. It's more interesting the fact that you don't really see that much about what she's doing and what's going on until she gets her kind of big moment where Michael Myers comes to the house and she has a really sad death. Yeah. And you don't really get that that much in horror films. Usually mm. it's just the dead and that's it. Well, um, what, what I will say is that something that I quite like about Rob Zombie as he's matured as a filmmaker, mm-hmm. maybe doesn't exist quite so much in House of a Thousand Corpses. Um, he shows suffering mm. in a way that you do not side with the killer. Yeah. Um, and more often than not, when he kills uh, a female character, mm-hmm. you could see that out of context. It's quite a misogynistic death because more often than not, their boobies are exposed. Mm. There's quite extreme damage happening to their bodies. Yeah. Um, but more often than not, it's bookended by them being the relative innocent of with two other people around them who are absolute male arseholes. Mm-hmm. And they're almost like the innocent bystander of these pricks prodding the killing force that is Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. So you very much feel like the guys deserve it, the girls are senseless deaths, but Rob Zombie knows that how he's written it and directed it and mm. directed the performance of the actors in it. Yeah. Um, I don't think you could make any arguments that Rob Zombie's a feminist filmmaker, but I don't think there's many male horror directors who have take more glee in the male deaths Mm. than the female deaths which touch on reality a little bit more yeah yeah um but everything about the way annie's death is done is is good not good in a you know it's well done um you don't even you know she's dead but you don't even see it straight away that it does this thing where you see michael myers coming to get her and it goes into slow motion it also looks really weird it looks like kind of grainy and and old old school it could be a 1970s horror film in that little, just that little bit. Um, and she's a good enough actress that you, you see her fear yeah. and you feel it. Um, and then when her body is found and she's, she's dying, but she's still alive. I mean, it's, it's horrible. It's like she's, there's blood everywhere and, and it is, it's gory. Mm-hmm. 
but like you say, it's real. You see the suffering. Yeah. You don't just see the blood and the gore, which I mean, is if unusual. you think about uh, the 1980 Halloween 2, mm-hmm. which I know this isn't a direct remake of, but both of them literally, end of Halloween, turn a page, and you've got the next chapter mm-hmm. of the, yeah, the next minute of what that film or epilogue or should be in the start of Halloween 2. Yeah. It's the, it starts where the last one exactly left off. Yeah. Um, this one does almost the same thing and then moves forward a little bit later on. But these girls carry scars and damage and not just a slight cosmetic scar mm-hmm. to what's happened to them. Whereas, you know, Jamie Lee still looks fucking yeah. perfect yeah. after, after her, her first night, 31st of October yeah. with Michael Myers. <laughs> I think horror villains um, are very respectful of uh, not touching the face, usually. Yeah. But, but even, even one thing I quite enjoyed about uh, uh, Rob Zombie's 2007 Halloween, and this was carried on, mm-hmm. is Michael Myers' mask. Just, you know, it goes through the absolute rigmarole for these two films, and by the end, it's a tatty old mess. When he wears it. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, we'll come on to that. But yeah, it, it's a nice touch to say this thing wouldn't be completely pristine white and undamaged mm. after all that happening to you, to our to our monster. It gets grubby in the John Carpenter ones. Not too. not not to this extent. Mm. Mm. It's almost unrecognisable by the the third act of the Halloween two. Yeah. Um as well as well as the actual killings, it's got a really nice look to a lot of it, particularly um and this is something which completely diverges from the original Halloweens. Um, kind of fantastical, almost fairy tale like sequences, yeah. because very briefly, because I don't want to go into too much detail. One of the major issues I have with these two films is that you, the focus is on Michael Myers. The first film, and I really enjoy the first one, but it looks for it's almost like it looks for reasons why Michael Myers turned out to be the way he was. Yeah. It looks at his family. You see him in the mental hospital. Um, and and you see him a lot, and he's in this one a lot as well. And the the main kind of theme that keeps recurring is that his mother um, was this very powerful influence in his life, and he still sees her, and she's still there as a kind of a ghost figure. Mm. And he, and she appears with a white horse, um, and it's all kind of representative of of the rage or whatever yeah. it said at the beginning that's inside him. Um, and of course, the the mythology, which has been abandoned now in the Halloween franchise, that is continuing yeah. to use. Jamie I think Curtis. we can see these two has nothing to do with the original Halloween, yeah. apart from. Yeah. yeah. But something else that happens in the original Halloween too is that we find out that Laurie Strode is Michael Myers' baby sister, yeah. and she's grown up not knowing this, and he knows it, and he's coming to get it. That's really emphasised in this film, yeah. to the point that that's what the film becomes by the end. It's Michael Myers. Um, getting his family back together, his mm. ghost mum and his, his sister who's self. tried to kill his yeah. younger innocent self and their horse. That kid was never that innocent. I've seen, <laughs> no. I've seen 2007's Halloween. That kid was a fuck up from the start. Um, so I mean, you've raised two things there that I really want to talk mm-hmm. about. Um, first is both films really exploring the inner life or the psychology of Michael Myers. Yeah. Um, Stephen King has always said, probably since the late 80s, maybe the early 90s, he'd really like to write a Friday the 13th film solely from the point of view of Jason. Okay. Of, of, you know, and I think this has been done in horror before, but this feels like 
these two films were like the only one where someone who's obsessed over true crime novels and mm. more obscure horror has tried to process all that information into an icon of horror. Yeah. And not just a casual glance or a name reference. Watching Halloween and Halloween 2, the Rob Zombie ones, feels very much like reading one of those horrific childhood stories from uh, Helter Skelter or mm. Fred and Rosemary West's backstory. Yeah. Um, and I think that this both films do that really well. Mm-hmm. Now, Halloween 2 moves away from um, the uh, origin story of Michael Myers to mm-hmm. more the dreams and psychology of him. Yeah. Uh, and you get these kind of Lynchian, Guy Madden, uh, Tim Burton-esque fantasy mm. sometimes. And you know what it reminded me most of? Um, when you watch one of these really prestige TV series that have an episode where we enter a fantasy world to mm. explore psychology. The thing it really reminded me of was an episode of Hannibal, Hannibal where yeah. both uh, Lecter and oh, Will Graham's mm. minds are melding. Yeah. And it's it's all just arty-farty. Yeah. And, you know, kind of dream imagery. And over two... Over, over three and a half hours, Rob Zombie's kind of made a truncated version of a ten-episode... HBO series of Halloween mm. that's for people who read The Guardian, darling, <laughs> uh, rather than people who rent <laughs> dirty old videos. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's not his intention, but he hits exactly the same notes as one of those TV shows, and you could see how the film could. It's an expansion or, and an exploration of John Carpenter's Halloween. Yeah, uh, I mean, if I was being a bit more cynical, I might say he started from a position of where can I get Cherie Moon into yeah. a film where I've killed her in the first one, mm. will have Michael Myers exploring his Oedipus complex. Yeah, they don't bring Diddy Michael Myers back from the first one, they get a different actor in, but I believe... He probably looked quite a bit older, yeah. in fact he did, I think he was in Hancock, and yeah. he looked older in that. He's, um... He grew too much. He was too tall. Right. Okay. So he was um, good, actually. Though he, the first yeah, one, really good. Yeah, he's got a really complicated name. Say Dave Fetch. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, I really liked him in the first one. It's a shame they couldn't find a way to bring him back. Um, but yeah, we, we we saw at what point he became not Michael Myers anymore in the shape. Yeah. The other thing I was going to say about you saying it's very beautiful at times mm. is I completely agree with that. It's what I like most about the film. There's the first forty-five minutes has. Michael Myers slowly approaching Haddonfield again mm-hmm. from wherever he's been hiding out over the year. Yeah. And every single one of those uh, shots looks like um, fan art of what Michael Myers might be like out stalking in the wild. In fact, what it reminds me most of is we've just finished watching The Mandalorian mm-hmm. and every episode mm-hmm. ends with the concept art that... Uh, which resembles Ralph Macquarie does the concept art for Star Wars, and yeah. they're beautiful painterly images brought to life in the TV show, and this feels very much like just overly detailed, gorgeous concept art brought to life on screen. Um, yeah, to me, it, it reminded me as well, though, of some of those older horror films, particularly ones set in like the in Texas and places like that, where you get a lot of long grass and mist <laughs> um, oh, I like that. Yeah, I like, yeah, I, like, I like everything being illuminated by the moonlight or headlights yeah the lights really yeah, really nice 
it's a less busy film than Halloween 1 in terms of imagery. Uh, some, of, some of Halloween 2007 is very cluttered mm-hmm. because Rob Zombie likes to fill the frame with loads of references and actors and mm. uh, background. But you only really get that in a shop and a party and uh, Laurie's room. Yeah. Uh, whereas Michael Myers out in the wild, wandering the earth like the Incredible Hulk or the Fugitive, <laughs> but just killing people who he crosses paths with rather than solving problems, uh, yeah. is uh, it looked beautiful. And vi- this, to me, is, despite the dream sequences, probably Rob Zombie's most traditional horror film mm. that you could show someone and they wouldn't realise it's made by someone with a vision. They might go oh, it's like something I'd pay five bucks for and just forget about the next day. Mm. And I, I don't mean that in a bad way. I just think it's it's got a cleanness to it that his other films don't. Yeah. Not always, but most of the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anything else you like? Um, you briefly mentioned The Party there. Mm. To me, that was... Um, and, it, and it was, like you say, it was, it was one of the more cluttered bits, but that was a nice little kind of like Rob Zombie stamp, I yeah. thought, because the, the music was good. Yeah, nice bit of psychobilly. Yeah, mm. and... The music's always good in Rob Zombie films. I know yeah. he, he's got a really good eye for 70s hits. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and He uses them very well. That brings you back to that golden age of gory horror. Yeah. Um, and it was it was brightly coloured and it, it sort of upped the energy a bit, mm. which had started to, to lag. Um, yeah. It came along at just the right moment. Injected a bit of fun into yeah. the thing. I, I I would say once we're into a more traditional Halloween film, uh, once Michael Myers is in town mm-hmm. and the new set of girls have been set up to be killed off, mm. I maybe enjoyed the film a lot less and was very uninvolved at times. Mm-hmm. But the build up uh, was was what I enjoyed the most. Yeah, and the, the ending for me as well. That would be the last thing that I would pick on to say that. I particularly liked about this one. What did you like about the ending? I liked it because it was it was predictable, but in a way that you know that's going to happen because you've seen Halloween Four, for mm. instance, where which has a very similar kind of ending, where one of his family members kind of picks up the mantle and yeah. goes with it, um, and it's creepy. Mm. And I'm really scared of mental hospitals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I very white rooms. I I I didn't love the ending in terms of the actual final uh, resolution of mm-hmm. um, there wasn't enough stalk and slash for me for, mm. for this kind of film and while I while I appreciated what it did I felt it felt a little bit rushed uh, and easy for Michael Myers to be shot and stabbed without any real I think possibly yeah in my head even though it never suggested that he lives <laughs> because for me Michael Myers is never going to die mm. so it would have made more sense not only for um, for them to do the kind of the twist that they do mm. but also to have that shot of oh let's look inside this barn to get his body back on yeah, it's gone it's gone yeah um, what I would say is but I did, I did like them and we, we, we've enjoyed it in horror films before we've expected it from horror films before the shot of well we have a new shape yeah <laughs> out there the, the Laurie Strode will easily break out of a mental institution eventually and become the shape herself. Yeah. Which is how, how we're supposed to take things like... And I assume if there was a third film, that's where they would have went. Yeah, and they never pursued it with Daniel Harris after the fourth one. They went back to Michael Myers. Yeah. Which I think was probably sensible. Yeah. Um, 
Cool. So that brings us to what didn't you like? Yeah. Uh, before you do that, I get the feeling we could do some of this quite quickly by me just asking you some yes and no questions. I'm happy to do that. Yeah. Um, so obviously a lot of the casting of this has been decided a film earlier. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to ask you who you preferred the original or the new version of various characters and you just tell me why you okay. did or didn't like them more. Yeah, yeah. So um, Tyler Mayne as Michael Myers, is is he a good the shape better than Nick Castle? Or... No, he, he's, he's really bad and that is one of the main issues that I have with this film. He is too human in every aspect. Like his, his body, his, his physicality... Um, one of the scariest things about the original Michael Myers is that you barely even see him move. You see him yeah. standing there, very, very still, or walking where his his knees don't even seem to bend. Mm. Like he's 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 inhuman. Yeah. And that's what I want my Michael Myers to be. Mm. Uh, Tyler Maine, did you say yeah, his name is? He's a very human Michael Myers. Yeah. You see him eat. You mm. see his face. He spends a lot of time with the mask off in this one. Yeah, way too much time with the mask off, and he's just a very big bearded man. I'm not scared of a big bearded man. Well, you should be. <laughs> if you're hanging out the back of a, a strip bar by the bins and a big bearded man corners you, darling, I don't want you thinking I'm perfectly safe. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but in the, behind the safety of the TV screen, I'm not scared of him. Okay, that's fine. Um, Any other uh, thoughts on Tyler Mayne? Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> he he practically speaks. He makes noises. Yeah, I think but, he I think he kind of almost says die at the end. Oh, God, I mean, what? Yeah, that's just not. Maybe it's a personal thing. I can't yeah, but be I, mean, the like, one. I just don't think that's yeah. right. Um, and and generally speaking, there's too much of him. I don't want to see him. I know you like the whole seeing him travel across country back to Haddonfield from wherever great. he's been. Yeah. But it's not what Michael Myers is meant to be. Michael Myers is like is is evil incarnate. He's the boogeyman. He's a privation of good. He doesn't yeah. need to eat or. Yeah. See. But he's not in these two films. He's not, and and, and he's not set up to be. No, he's not because. It's, a lot of it is about his, his humanity um, because you see him as, as a child and you see him interact with his family and that kind of thing. Um, for me, that's just not what I want. Okay. Uh, let's go for Malcolm McDowell no. over Donald Pleasance. No, Donald Pleasance is brilliant in the originals. Like, if you... I know he can't act particularly well. <laughs> okay, great. I mean, you can see my face. He's a hammy actor. Yeah, I like a bit of ham, <laughs> but I don't because I don't eat pork. Yeah. But, <laughs> like... Um, he is so stressed and afraid in the original Halloweens that you that it, it makes it makes Michael Myers so much scary. It makes the okay. situation even the smallest situation, which seems absolutely fine, he just blows out of all proportion and, and um to me in, in How how good uh, a psychologist or psychotherapist was Donald Pleasant's gonna be when he treats Michael Myers as if he's evil incarnate. <laughs> yeah, but he didn't start off no, yeah, he thinking did. he was yeah, evil. He, he realised. That's the point, though. He realised during the process of the years. There's no rehabilitation there. <laughs> yeah, but that, he, he knows that. He knows mm. it. He, both Sam Loomis's have given up on Michael Myers as a lost cause. Mm-hmm. But um, Donald Pleasance knows what he is. He knows he's a threat. He, he knows that he's the devil. Whereas, um, to me... And I like Malcolm McDowell, don't get me wrong. I think the, these it, two films are the best thing Malcolm McDowell's done since probably A Clockwork Orange. I just, he makes a lot of shit. I know, I know he does. So it's nice to see him with a full of that role, having fun. He's, no. better, he's better in Halloween 2007. In this one, he's kind of a punchline and a joke. He, he's Gale Weathers. Yeah, he is, he is Gale Weathers. Yeah. That's, that's what, well, I've got another reading of who he is. Oh, yeah. He's John Carpenter. 
in in the first film, mm. he's a cool, dedicated guy who really cares about his work and loves it. Mm. And by the second film, he's resting on his laurels. He's hack. He's a hack. He's repeating mm. old work, and he's crotchety and doesn't really understand the new culture at all. Uh, I even think maybe the haircuts and looks follow John Carpenter as he gets older as oh, well. Right, okay. And I think it's a subtle little dig at all right, yeah, I'm borrowing from your classics, John Carpenter, but let's be honest, you've you've not made that many good ones in the second half of your career, and you can be a bit of a dick in interviews. All right, well... But, but allegedly, John Carpenter was very warm towards Rob Zombie taking over the mantle, but he did turn down a cameo in this. Right, okay. okay but I, you know, I think you could watch these two films and go, Loomis is Carpenter, and it's Rob Zombie's assessment of what Carpenter is now. Okay, well, maybe he should have spent less time trying to be clever and do a John Carpenter parody and more time making a decent character. Okay, but do you think if John Carpenter was given a chance to direct a Halloween film now, it would be any good? I don't know. I don't know. I think that he's probably got another good film left in him. He's got, I'd certainly uh, go and watch. I think he's got is. another average film you'd have a bit of affection for in him. I don't think he's got anything of the level of In the Mouth of Madness, which was his last really good film mm. in him. Anymore. I think he realised though that Michael Myers and, and that kind of story is not a franchise. It's not it, it should be just one oh, yeah. scary story. And okay. we'll talk about that in another question. But okay. yeah, anyway. Okay. Uh okay, uh maybe a slightly more difficult one. Uh Scout Taylor Compton or Jamie Lee Curtis. You think that's difficult? No, not at all. <laughs> Okay. I, I think she's a real weakness to this. Uh, yeah, she is. Having said that, when I was a teenage boy, that's exactly the kind of girl I'd want to go out for look-wise. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. But I'm, I'm, you know, I haven't been a teenage boy for quite a while now. Uh-huh. Uh, my uh, tastes have changed and evolved. Well, it's just as well, because I don't like anything like her. No, you, I mean, you've got nice, nice mm. strawberry blonde hair. No, you've no, you got red hair. But, but, yeah, but yeah, and lovely pale skin. Yeah. Um, so white is what you want then? Not necessarily. Uh, I wear a coat of many colours. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, she is a real weakness. Um, she's so different from... And I'm not saying like, oh, you should just do a, an exact carbon copy of the original Laurie Strode. But Laurie Strode was a pretty good heroine. Yeah. Final girl, whatever you want to call her, in Halloween, Lasso Halloween 2, the John Carpenter versions. Um, and Jamie Lee Curtis is brilliant. Yeah. So it's a tall order to try and fill those... You can't, can't match the Scream Queen. No. The ultimate Scream Queen. Yeah. I think she's quite horrible. good casting as the child of Sherry Moon Zombie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I can But that's that. not a positive for someone who's leading your film. Someone who's not even quite as good as Sherry Moon Zombie. He's, he's never yeah. been the high watermark of great horror movie actresses. But by the second one as well, she's become a really unpleasant person. Yeah. Like... Not someone I would want to ever oh, meet. She, she eats pineapple on her pizza. Yeah, just pineapple. Just pineapple. Yeah. <laughs> not, even, not even cheese. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No. Uh, if I was, if I was to really unpick beyond the fact that this doesn't really satisfy as a uh, a slasher film. Yeah. It would be the fact that the final girl's given a lot more screen time in the second film, and yet is at best an acceptable presence and often not that yeah what else didn't you like um the lack of music was 
odd to me because in 2007, Rosemary's Halloween, mm. you get quite a bit of the original yeah. score. Um, it's, it's a really good score and it's creepy and there are different like elements of it that can be used at different times. Mm. It's not used at all in this until the very end. Um, and I, d- I just find that really strange. And I think it, it misses something for yeah, it. My, my big bugbear always is, is you've got an iconic theme tune. Mm. If you're a remake or a sequel or a reboot, use it as much as possible. Yeah. It, it makes the fans feel more than anything like they're being taken care of. But this film isn't a film about creeping tension or, or the boogeyman hiding behind a bush. No. This, this, this is more about... Um, the psychological aftermath of two spree killings. Yeah. Um, I, I said this while watching the film, the Halloween party, why is Haddonfield having a big Halloween blowout after two years mm. in the last 20, it's had major spree killings. I can understand why your ghouls and your rubberneckers might want to come to Haddonfield on the yeah. Halloween, but I can't see the town putting on quite such an extravagant event where everyone's obviously prepared their costume for weeks. Yeah. And you know, a lot of money has been put into the budget, into that party. How's that place even making money? They've it, spent, so much, spent so much. It doesn't make sense, especially because a year earlier, Halloween was such a non-event in Haddonfield that all the beautiful teenagers were just hanging out at their own house. And babysitting and yeah. hanging out at each other's houses. It's, yeah. um, it's really strange, yeah. Mm. It, it, it's a fun moment, but it doesn't work, really, in, in the, the context of, of the, the film. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anything else? Um, I think possibly there are well not possibly I think there are too many killings um, in it there's a lot of death there's a lot of death um, I know that this this is a more aggressive Michael Myers um, but the really good killing sequences are kind of diluted the horror itself is generally kind of diluted by the fact that he doesn't go very long at all without killing someone there's a bit where when he's still traveling around he kills a family it's mark boone jr i think yeah. and a couple of other people um, yeah. it just doesn't really seem necessary i think it's to give michael myers something to do and what what i would say is this was made these two films were made at peak uh gorno torture porn uh periods mm. you know eli roth was you know the king of horror around the same time as uh, your Edgar Wrights and your Rob Zombies were appearing. Um, Doesn't mean you had to Christian. lower yourself to that level. Though. Yeah, I know, It's like base kind of well, level. Here's the interesting thing. the Both of Rob Zombie's Halloween films were offered to him both times as you'll have freedom to do what you want to do with the mythology and iconography of Halloween. And I think mm. we see that in the first film, but he found the second film very difficult to make because he refused to do it originally. Right. Wasn't interested in working with the Weinsteins again. Okay. Uh, and Akkad's son, I assume. I assume so, yeah. Mustafa Akkad's son is the producer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, no, you'll come back and you can do really what you want to do this time. And when he once he got onto set, he said the Weinsteins were constantly interfering to the point where they were showing him the film he made two years earlier saying this is how we did the first one, not yeah. acknowledging the fact he was the guy who directed that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we know the Weinsteins are horrible, bullying people, mm-hmm. and that's come back to bite one of them in the arse very late mm. in the day, but, has, but um, you, 
you can only imagine what it's like to be a young creative who's maybe not 100% confident in Hollywood yet dealing with these people. I don't think Rob Zombie's that person. Mm. I get the feeling there's probably quite a lot of conflicts on set. Uh, all of his films have really loads of extras, like a Kevin Smith film on their DVD packages, mm-hmm. extensive making ofs. Yeah. Halloween 2 doesn't have that, because I assume there's probably not many times where off-camera there was a bonhomie right. that made it seem like, you know, the Rob Zombie party's happening. Yeah, I'm sure he was relieved to, to get out of it and get back to what... Yeah, there, there, is, is there was never a conversation he was going to make Halloween 3. No. <laughs> okay. Anything else you didn't like? No, no, on the, on the whole I liked it, and I know that seems strange for um, something where... <laughs> there are very important things that I think have been done very wrong, mm. but... It goes a lot to say, it says a lot that I can still enjoy this film, despite those things. Like I said, I think it's probably Rob Zombie's weakest film. I think mm. it's nowhere near as good as Halloween 2007, his reimagining of the Michael Myers mm-hmm. uh, origin story and first night of terror. Yeah. So for me, it's it's, it's a miss it's a as a film with lots of good elements I really did like. Yeah, I think that'd be fair. Uh, it certainly doesn't work as a tension-filled horror film. No. Uh, and it probably more works better as a gory fantasia. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, it's not the best of its kind. Yeah. Okay, let's have a break and we'll do our regular questions. Mm-hmm. Regular questions. Yeah. Who is the Michael Parks of the film while everyone else is picking up a paycheck who is putting in full effort and doing character actor heaven? Brad Dourif. Brad Dourif is excellent. As ever. Uh, do you know what I liked about this in terms of Brad Dourif? Because he, he's very good at playing the weirdo or the wimp or mm. the genius. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this, I wouldn't fuck with him as sheriff. He was a really good dad and a sweet guy, mm-hmm. but I get the feeling if the shit went down and had him filled... That wasn't quite such a supernatural rage. Mm. I bet there's very little graffiti in Haddonfield. Yes. Very, very few bar fights. Apart from from within his own house. Yeah, no, <laughs> he, lets the, he lets the girls go wild. Yeah. yeah he's an excellent dad, isn't he? He's really sweet. Mm. He was good in the first Halloween 2007 as well. Yeah, he was. He's, it would be between him and Michael, Malcolm McDowell for, him, for me. And uh, But can we just say it was lovely to see Margot Kidder. Yeah, the uh, one scene. As a psychotherapist. Yeah. Probably not the best <laughs> real life job for her, but oh. always lovely to see Margaret Kidder. Yeah. Um, product placement. Did you see I any? Notice. No, anything. no one really wanted their chewwear brand associated with heads being stomped in. Yeah. Or yeah, I can think that's what, think that's... more of those candy corn things that look horrible. Yeah, you that get those. American kids seem to love. Yeah. So, no. Mm. Uh, if you can make one change to improve Halloween two, what would it be? I would have, um, like, sod the mythology, I would just focus on Annie and have her as the final girl because she's a better actress, she's a better character and um, she and Brad Dourif had a nice kind of... And, and I, I would yeah. like to have seen her live just so that he was a bit happier. Yeah, so, that's right, he's got a miserable old... Uh, he's, he's probably going to lose his job. Yeah, it's awful. Yeah. Um, so just kill Laurie Strode in the hospital. Just have that not be a dream, just get rid of her. I, I think... Maybe keep her around a little bit longer than that, but she dies coming back to the house, mm-hmm. and it's a shock because you you've she's already been the final girl once. Yeah, mm. yeah, that's what I would do. Um, 
<laughs> Such a weird question. Would you remake a sequel of a remake that's almost a remake in itself? <laughs> so I'm not going to ask it. Would yeah. you make a Halloween free from these actors and milieu? No. What I'd do, and we've, we've talked about this before, well before we ever started doing this podcast with regard to Halloween, that the original approach to what the Halloween series was going to be was such a good idea. That every, the, every year on Halloween, you get a Halloween franchise film that has very little relation or context with the previous ones. Yeah. It's just almost like a Twilight Zone yeah. or an Inside Number 9 where creatives used a Halloween brand to do a mm-hmm. Halloween set horror film. And it's called Halloween colon something. Season of the Witch. Yeah, which is a great Silver film. Shamrock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. I completely agree with that. Uh, where would you put James Spader in this film? He would actually make a really good, in this film, Dr. Loomis, because he's mm. got that kind of like corporate, sleazy, money-making yeah. um, attitude. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I like Malcolm McDowell, so I'm not saying oh, I want to replace Malcolm McDowell, but yeah. if Spader was going to be in it, that is where he would be, I think. I think it's quite nice that Malcolm McDowell, because he is in so much shit, <sighs> has finally found quite nice roles in Rob Zombie films. Mm. Uh, you know, it, it's nice that people in their later careers don't always just like cash in on their... Uh, their former stardom. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, which leads us to... Is Halloween 2, 2009, mm-hmm. worse or better than Bad Boys? It's better. It's worse than Bad Boys. No, I think it's better. Yeah. I think... For all its faults, it's still a more entertaining film. I do. I completely disagree. I would say Bad Boys is more entertaining and has less faults. It's just maybe not to your taste quite so much. That's what I'm going to say. That's it. I can understand why that made a lot more money than this did. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> but that's not the point. Okay, well, would you like to know what film we're covering in the next episode? Do I? No. Oh, no. What is it? We, it's a film I've only got very vague memories of and I'm pretty sure you've never seen. Oh, okay. We are going to be watching Rocky Five. Is that the one where he plays computer game? It's the Rocky... Where there's a lot less fighting and a lot more drama. Okay. <laughs> I think I saw it in India. Rocky Five? Mm. No, I don't think you have. I think I did. <laughs> I don't think you saw it in India. Anyway, we're going to find out in our next episode, Rocky Five, whether Natalie saw Rocky Five in particular in India. Well, that's a very exciting thing to find out. <laughs> <laughs> for me. Thank you very much for listening, Hopefuls. Thank you for listening. What's the subtitle of it? Just Rocky Five. I think you're thinking of uh, Rocky Balboa. Does he fight a computer game? No, a computer game says he would win a fight. In Rocky Balboa or Rocky Five? In Rocky Balboa. Oh, that's what I've seen. I think Rocky's like basically a bum in this one. <laughs>